Hey there, unicorns. Danny here. Quick message before we start. We're rapidly coming up to our one year anniversary of this podcast, and we would like to hear from you. So you can send us an email or send us a message on social media, or you can leave us a voicemail at 505-585-1808. We'd love to hear your questions, your comments, any stories you have about your own biracial unicorn experience or questions you might have for biracial unicorns in your lives, and we will respond to them on our anniversary episode. You can also catch a live recording of that episode on Instagram Live. And we'll be posting some more details about that on our Instagram. So be sure to follow us there. Thanks. And here's the show. I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Damika Brown. And we are biracial unicorns. And Wednesday Adams is my spirit animal. Yes. <laughs> Though I guess it's it's kind of problematic to say spirit animal now. Huh? Oh, is it? What what has happened now? Did I miss it? Yeah, I mean, it's just like a lot of indigenous people are bothered by the way people just throw around spirit animal as a joke oh and see i just learned something what do you think about it um i feel like my opinion doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i try to use it less than i have Mm. but i do feel like wednesday adams is definitely a mascot can we use mascot? I think mascot is, or like a soul sister. Yes. She is both those things. <laughs> she is a current mood, and she is yes. an always mood. Maybe we're she's, supposed to say current She's mood. hashtag goals. <laughs> <laughs> cliche, 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 cliche. No, I mean, she honestly, like, the character itself is so, like, iconic, and... It makes me super happy. I nearly sent you or put on our Instagram like someone. There's been quite a few of them. They've done a Wednesday Adams, but as a cat. Yes, it's everything I need. And I was just like, oh, I should really like send this to Danny and or make her something with a cat. Yes, please. Just, just make me make me something Wednesday Adams cat themed. It's all I want to make up. I just ruined your Christmas present. I'm so disappointed. It hasn't even ruined it. (laughs) But honestly, like who doesn't like love the Adams family from like the cartoon to the movies? Like, does anyone just been like, ugh, I'd rather not? Like, who says that? I don't know, but clearly not me since I have a huge fucking Wednesday Adams tattoo. It's so. dead sexy, everybody. <laughs> it's kind of, it's amazing because it's the one where she is in the Thanksgiving play from the movie, it is. right? That is uh, like my favorite monologue in it, a movie. Oh, no. It's spectacular. It's brilliantly written and even better like delivered if you haven't seen it you're missing out or you were born in 2000 you need to go see it (laughs) yeah uh, adam's family values uh yes go i don't can you rent stream there we go that's what the cool kids are doing go stream it right 
digital yeah. download. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you. You're so hip. Stop it. <laughs> I was intentionally trying to sound not hip. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded really hip. Go stream digital download. <laughs> that it sounds like go Redbox it. Do they Redbox still? Yeah, I think Redbox is still around. I don't I don't know. They don't do that here. Yeah, I've seen red boxes around, but I don't really I haven't gotten something from a red box in a while. Maybe like a year. Mm, that was all the rage there for a hot minute. It's pretty sweet. Dollar? That's still cheaper than a fucking rental online. Mm, girl, that that's robbery that we'll have to talk about for another day. <laughs> yep. Because we need all of our time to talk about our main topic today. Because I think it's going to have a lot of rage, which I'm very excited about. It's something that you and I are both incredibly passionate about. And mm. we we liked it, this topic so much, we actually bumped it out of the order of what we were going to do, didn't we? Yeah. We did. So today, we were inspired by something that was actually making us mad about the internet, but it made us so mad that we decided- <laughs> we needed to do a whole episode on it. Exactly. We thought that our rage could not be contained, at A, at the end of the show, and B, within like a 10-minute time frame. We're inspired by how not to apologize. Yes. Not. Not to apologize. How, how not to apologize. This is a small little tidbit, suggestive guide on how not to do that. Yeah. I mean, we just felt like we've been seeing so many shitty apologies. <laughs> so we I'm had to so many. It. Yeah. We're just done. So <laughs> we want to talk about why we think they're shitty. And in particular, we're talking about apologies when it comes to a racial issue. But I feel mm -hmm. like this will be applicable to most anything. That's true. Because even um, I was even kind of say, oh, how do we do as far as like mainstream public apology versus like interpersonal towards friendships and our spouses in the workplace? Because a lot of places will break it down on how to's within each situation. But I believe this list will be quite applicable to across the board of like, please don't do this or you don't get to do this with an apology. So I'm quite excited. Should we talk about the inspiration? Yes. Yes. So tell <laughs> us about it. We were actually inspired by the news story of a, a Oklahoma City news anchor. She's a white female. I'm sure, she's a lovely person. They were talking about a local zoo who had let a gorilla take over Instagram. It's very sugary, sweet, it's very adorable. But towards the end of the news story, the white female anchor, who was co anchor with an African American male, said that the gorilla resembled her co host. Yeah, she said he kind of looks like you or something. Mm -hmm. Followed by a laugh. Um, and then, of course, they, they, they you know, they, they cut out. Well, people got mad, Denny. <laughs> We've talked about this on the show before, mm -hmm. particularly with black folk and mm -hmm. comparing them to gorillas or monkeys. Like, there's this long history of it. And I don't know. I feel like everyone is aware of it, but maybe they aren't. That's the thing that when you first hear it, it's one of those things, not this again mm -hmm. seriously again like what you again it, it, straight off the cuff and you can here's the thing you can tell in that she's trying to be cute she's trying to be funny but in that moment of just you can tell she did not see her co-anchor 
in his entirety. Yes. Watching the video felt so bad for him because you can see him kind of bottling it up and just taking it because it's like the shit happens so much. And he responds with like, yeah, mm-hmm. it does kind of look like me. Like, because like, what else yeah, can he exactly. do well, in that moment? What are you going to do? Like, I think he's not going to go yeah. snatch her wig. Like off in the middle of the, you know, of his job. You have to just suck it up in that moment. Repress your feelings, mm-hmm. ignore it, move on. Exactly. In, especially in that moment. So we then skip to public outrage, of course. So then it then came back to a very public apology was given by this woman. I think her name Hudson, I think it is. She, and it was very like, it was not even behind a desk. It was on a couch. You could tell they were, you know, sitting very closely together. And it started off with her saying, I need to make an apology. And from the word go, tears or the illusion of tears right. began. I mean, I... And to me, it doesn't matter mm. if the tears are fake or not. Just going to throw that out there. Like, I want to believe yeah. that they are not fake just because that's what I that's the narrative I would rather believe. But I can understand the reasoning behind people accusing her of fake tears. And we can get into that in a little bit. But I, I want to say that for the, mm-hmm. our purposes, it doesn't matter if those tears are real or fake. Yeah, I I completely agree. It doesn't, that part doesn't, but she talks about, she made sure to mention he is a friend and that, you know, she's sorry and that she loves their community. She threw around these words very, very liberally from what you could understand between the moments of tears, so forth and so on. I have mixed feelings about her apology and the review and the response towards it was also mixed. I will say, though, that her co-host, he, um, I think Hackett, he, I think, did a great job of accepting the apology. He did. I think, I I think also, I mean, like I said, it's his job. What's it going to be like? No, I don't accept your apology. He did. You know, we, you know, we are friends and they have a closeness, but he also, I feel like he hijacked it. I don't know if that was planned, but he did also say we need to make sure that we are aware of these um, racial issues. I I think he kind of took it and I think he really made it a very teachable moment. And he even said that in it, that this is a very teachable moment. And I thought, you know what? I might not agree with her apology, but his acceptance of it, which you hardly ever get to see that publicly. You normally just see like, I'm sorry, I feel bad, blah, blah, blah. You know, I hope you accept it, so forth and so on. And then it's kind of done. But hearing him respond to that is something I'm like, okay, you don't get to see that every day. And it it, it had a little bit more authenticity yes. with that. I agree that I, too, have mixed feelings about the apology itself. But I think he accepted the apology so nicely. And he, like, offered sincere forgiveness for it, which was yes. lovely to see. And I agree that it was well done to to use it as a teachable moment, particularly because it happened in the public eye and the apology happened in the public eye. And clearly, I feel like regardless of your feelings about the apology or the initial comment, clearly the two of them have a nice rapport. And I would wager to say they're friends. They do. You know, they seem friendly. Mm-hmm. They seem like they get along. Yeah. And I, I think there was that did not feel forced whatsoever. Um, and you can, like I said, you can even tell, I felt like even in, you know, Hackett, him accepting that apology was like, yeah, it, it is very intense. It kind of, even having yeah. empathy for her, yeah. 
Does that make sense? Like I even felt like he was just like her even just realizing the weight and her feeling been like, oh, wow, she's not used to this. I'm used to this. Let me give you that comfort as well, which I thought like, wow, even in this moment, I still feel empathy is given towards her. So I, I hope when we see, I mean, of course, we don't want to have things that people need to apologize for, but I hope people seeing that it needs to be, it's a two part Mm. thing of seeing more and more of that back and forth. That part I was really excited about, but the actual apology, mm, girl, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in this, I feel like I'm being a little judgmental, but I can't, I am just so weary of white women's tears in situations like this because I feel like it's a deflection. Regardless of of the intent, yeah. it always feels like a deflection. Mm-hmm. I agree, and that was that's why I'm like I don't care if they're real or fake. What it did is what it is what it intended to do. Right. You felt exactly. Bad for it her. made it about her and her feelings, and certainly she's allowed her feelings. And like if she feels she that is. badly, like I feel I feel badly for her because you know, like of course, but. In that moment, it shouldn't be about us feeling badly for her. In that moment. (laughs) Say it. That's exactly like in that moment. You had time to cry before. You even have time to cry after. In that moment, it needed to be about the person that you have offended and, and hurt. The focus and everything. And by all means, if he started crying, yeah. I feel like at that point, she would be yeah. allowed to cry. And someone had to cut to a commercial about a car dealership locally in town. But like, seriously, it needed to be very focused on, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know the victim here, like, you know, in, in quotation marks. But we, but once again, we see that time and time again, the right. theatrics start. And oh, okay, L- let's take this back with with yes. apologies in themselves where do we start going uh, wrong with apologies well i feel like the beginning of us going wrong with apologies was in the beginning like in in school Girl. in school Girl. like think about when shit goes down between mm-hmm. two kids the teacher pulls them aside and is mm-hmm. like you need to say you're sorry and that's what we're taught an apology is is just two kids reluctantly being like i'm sorry i'm sorry too the word has lost its weight i think because we're just mm. yeah we're it just has. told to say it Mm-hmm. And we are. And the thing is, not only are we just taught to just say it, but from youth, we're just like, you say sorry, so right. they won't be mad at you. You say sorry, so maybe you might be mm. able to avoid punishment. You say sorry, because that's a, a social norm. You say sorry, because we need to move on. You say sorry. Everything is about the person saying sorry to get something. Yes. Does that make sense? It's still the person the you know, the person who is causing the pain or the break of trust still getting something, even if it's to persuade their guilt as a tiny child. I feel bad. I'm going to say sorry and have you say it's okay. And now I feel yeah. better and we can move on. And that is still a very selfish motivation. It's not to give that. It's to get. Yes. And the expectation is... I say sorry, you accept my apology. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it does start incredibly, incredibly young. And I see it all the time. It is just 
It's a knee-jerk reaction. You bump into somebody, you hurt them, you you hit them, you wrong them. Sorry, right. it's okay. You move on. And we have learned nothing whatsoever. I have a few things to say about that. One, and I've mentioned this to you. So I, I've worked in early childhood education a lot. I've I've worked in elementary schools a fair bit as well, and I am very much not about making kids apologize. Like. I can't control a kid's feelings. I'm not going to like, I can't make them remorseful and apologize. And I certainly don't want to make like a victim in a situation have to accept an apology. So my strategy is always to talk about what happened, why it impacted the children involved. I'm happy to hear both sides of the story, depending on what it is, right? (laughs) If it's necessary in that moment. And then it always becomes about retribution. So it's like, okay, you did this thing and it upset this kid. And I know that wasn't your intention or maybe it was. So you need to find out what you need to do to make it up to them. You know, and sometimes it's like give the ball to that kid or like whatever. And sometimes the the kid on the receiving mm-hmm. end does ask for an apology. I like that where it's put in a perspective where the victim in the situation gets to demand what they want. And sometimes they don't know what they want. That's certainly me in every situation. Mm -hmm. I never know what I want and what will make me feel better. (laughs) But (laughs) so I think that's a different way to look at it. And like, as I've, I've spent years kind of getting to this point, that's definitely made me rethink saying I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Well, I even think like what I'm really focused on in things yeah. is the why. And so with children of getting down to like, you know, you have a conflict between two people, people say, I'm sorry, but why? Right. Yeah. And have that like, um, you know, I, I, I push them, but why? Oh, I was in a hurry. Were you? They were in my way. I was upset. Okay. So why did you feel like you had to act out in this way because you were upset? Well, like, I mean, we keep asking why until we get down to that root root, because the thing is, it's, you're going to keep repeating this. And that's the thing, like, the way I was brought up of just being like, sorry, is one of those things of like, I intend to try to make sure this never Mm. happens again. Do you know what I mean? It's sorry to us was like a gesture of like this, this situation will not happen again, or I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure. But in order to do that, you actually have to understand the why. Because as someone who, like when I receive an apology, I want you to know why I'm upset. I don't know. Does that make me sound really, that sounds really like super narcissistic. But like to me, part of an apology of me understanding is like that ultimate amount of like empathy of like, why would you even say that if you don't even understand the violation or the hurt? I completely agree with that. And I also struggle with that that it does feel very self-centered to want the other person to know why I'm upset. But I think you're right. Mm -hmm. How can you make a complete apology if you don't know why a person is upset? I don't know. Maybe you can. But I I feel like you're not going to be Mm -hmm. able to prevent the same behavior in the future. And if you're truly sorry, don't you want to not repeat your same mistakes? Yes, exactly. And so I think I would just encourage, I'm encouraged by what you're doing with the youth. I'm trying to encourage myself to do that with my daughter and with her friends. And I hope other people encourage, uh, kids are never too young. I think people look at children 
and they're just like, oh, you know, they're four, they're five. Okay, now tack on 10 years, they're 14 and 15. And if they're doing the same stuff over and over again, and never truly learn how the impact and the psychology and what it does to people of a lack of, a, of an apology, like it just keeps progressing and it grows until they're, you know, into their 20s, until their 30s, until they're 40 year old people who don't know how to apologize and don't think they owe anyone an apology. It's just one of the things of start young challenge kids they are going to surprise you like take the little extra time to really focus on like i think this is one of those main Mm. building blocks that we need to kind of work on in order to be a human being in society and i think this is one of those ones that kind of gets like neglected like you need to learn how to read and write and you know what i mean and how you should have manners you should do this but i think this is also a very important part of being a person (laughs) yeah well i feel like People tend to be so defensive, Mm -hmm. right? And I can lump myself in there too, I'm sure. And part of that is is because you feel like you must have done something wrong to upset someone. And it's hard to admit when you've done something wrong in a society that does not allow Mm -hmm. people to make mistakes. Like people are not encouraged to own up to mistakes that they may make. And one, I think we all fucking make mistakes. And that's great. Like, let's make fucking mistakes so we can grow as humans and become better people. And I think as far as like those feelings of like, oh, God, I must have done something wrong. There's sometimes pushback against that of like, you know, fuck this. It's that person's being too sensitive. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, And I think that that's born out of out of that desire to not be wrong. So. It's really difficult. And I think there's like a few things we can do as people to to challenge that. One, I feel like anytime anyone is upset because of something that you said or did, like they are entitled to be upset. Yeah. Let them have it. What is it to you? You can't control someone else's feelings. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. People are entitled to their feelings of being being hurt. And I think. Just because you did something wrong doesn't mean you can't grow from it, right? Like we've all done things that are wrong Mm -hmm. and it leads us to grow. And you can have, and particularly with like race issues or issues around gender, you're allowed to change your mind and you're allowed to grow. There is no Mm -hmm. harm in you admitting that you were wrong and you've done shitty things. You're allowed to be a different person than you were. And I think- we hang exactly. so much weight on, no, you have to be like woke from birth. You need to be woke <laughs> if everything you've done is perfect. Like, that's not realistic. Yes, it's insane. And to think that, like, to say if we have done something, you know, offensive or hurtful, that defines us, you know. And, and I think that's why we, we want to, we don't want to even have that shame near us. So to admit that we have done that, or perhaps maybe we have been the villain in a story would feel like we would have to be that person for forever, you know? And I think that that's why we use things that deflect like you're being sensitive. Oh, I just tell it like it is. We we're just not growing in our apology. Like we need to have like apology maturity. And part of that is, is just like taking a beat, hearing it all the way through the, the offense that you have made, especially if someone actually tells you, or if you've been made aware, like, That in itself should be a gift to you. There's nothing worse than like hurting or offending somebody and it just going on and on and on. 
at least in my opinion, that in itself should grieve you that people should you should become a person that is approachable in this manner. Let's talk about the steps you can take to have a good apology. I think you've broken it down into this beautiful four-step system. (laughs) So let's talk about D'Amika's four-step plan for a good apology. Um, from someone who's messed it up a lot. We all have, and we can grow, and we can be better. Yes, exactly. I am a weed. I've done so much growing in this, like, month. Freaking manifesto. I was actually really inspired by an article from Psychology Today, and also really great TED Talk by Robert M. Gordon, and also a book I read about forgiveness. Daggone it, I need to, uh, I will put the, the author in the show notes. But this is, um, it, it needs to be, or it should be timely. You don't get to take your time with an apology. I really feel like if an offense has been brought to you, and there is, at least for me, mm. I know I'm a digester. I need to hear it. I need to make sure that, like, I don't want to react with my emotions because, like, we just talked about. We want to be like, no, I didn't. Yeah. Or what? How could you, you know, uh, go straight into defense mode? Taking that moment. But I do feel... Some people kind of take their time with it. They have to be convinced to do it. Well, and here's the thing. I feel like you can take your time, but it becomes more about you the longer you take, right? Because it's mm-hmm. it's like, why? Why apologize after all this time when the other person has probably moved beyond yes. it? It's really so that you can Mm-hmm. unload that burden so you can leave that burden of this bothering you behind. So I don't want to dissuade people from apologizing later. Like I know like 12 step programs like apologizing is part of that. Right. And that's nice. But yeah, totally. you have to realize that at that point it becomes about you. And if you're wanting to apologize in a, an authentic mm-hmm. way that's about the person who you are apologizing to, you're absolutely right. You need to be timely with your apology. You really should when applicable. And I think that's the thing too, with all of these things when you can, and especially like if you even even talk about things that dealing with race, it can be very sticky and intense and it might need a moment for, you know what I mean? For feelings to cool down, for things to be explained. Cause I've realized even when people have pointed out that you've made like a racial faux pas, they even have to have time to be explained Mm. what they did was offensive and be educated in that time. Yes. I'm reading a book right now and it had a a beautiful example of an apology that was perhaps not as timely as it should have been, but it is regarding a race issue. So the book is called Just Mercy. Brian, I'll put it in the show notes, but people have probably heard of this book. It's being adapted (laughs) into a movie coming out this December with uh, Michael B. Jordan as the lead character. So I want to see it. But anyways, in this book, it's it's a real, real recounting of this lawyer who works in the South working with inmates on death row. But Mm. he, you know, like encountered a lot of racism. He's in Alabama and he encountered a new correctional officer at a facility where he was going to meet a new client. But he'd been to the prison several times and, you know, like knew the drill. But this guy had like all these Confederate shit fucking bumper stickers on his car. He had like a Confederate flag tattoo. Big white guy who was clearly like mistreated this lawyer because of his own racial prejudices and like strip searches him, all this shit. 
in order for him to talk to his client. And even with the, the lawyer calmly being like, this is not how it's ever been done. Like the months and months I've been coming to this mm-hmm. prison to talk to clients. But this correctional officer ended up being the officer who took this client to court and was there like through the hearings. And after hearing the work that the lawyer was doing and specifically working with this inmate who had been wrongfully convicted herbal Not wrongfully, but the way the conviction went was wrong because he had some mental disabilities, his client, and Mm -hmm. a lot of them were due to being raised in the foster system. This Mm. like really spoke to to this correctional officer. And he while he didn't take away all of his racial prejudices, he he realized that there are people who have it harder than him. He grew up in the foster system as well. Mm. And realized that he was treating this lawyer a certain way because of the color of his skin and apologized to him the next time he saw him and like explained all of this and was just like the way I behaved was completely wrong and I'm sorry like and it was just beautiful right like it's so powerful just to be it wasn't timely in the sense of that it happened quickly after the incidents, but it was timely in the sense that it happened quickly after he realized what he had done was wrong. So I think that's an important part of it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because it, sometimes it does take the time. Even if societal-wise, we are telling you, you were wrong. The person has to be made aware of it. I love that's a fantastic point. Next thing that would be really nice to do is for you need to own your shit. You need to admit fault. And this sounds like, oh, duh, obvious. I mean, every article I read, it's like, you need to admit, you need to acknowledge. No, 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 no. What I have a problem with, with public apology and personal apologies is this. People have become masters at blame shifting, Mm -hmm. victim shaming, Mm -hmm. attention grabbing, deflecting. These are all, they're just maneuvers to get around. And, And these are the examples. I'm sorry you feel that way. It's right. like famous. I'm sorry you feel that way. That's the biggest non-apology apology. Mm-hmm. My fa- I'm sorry if. I'm sorry. If you took it that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sorry, but I was raised differently. I'm sorry, but I, you know, but I just don't understand or I wasn't made aware. I'm sorry, but that wasn't my intention. Yes, Exactly. I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> these are these these are these are all deflecting, you know, ego protecting verbiage that we're using in order to get away from actually owning yes. what we have done. It's so transparent. And I think this is language that we need to reverse. And Mm -hmm. we also need to call out as well. And I think it's something that so many people do without realizing that they're doing it because it has become the norm. Mm. I try to be very mindful that I am not doing it because I think it's easy to do it because that's just how you see apologies happen. So a strategy Mm -hmm. I use is by like affirming what has happened and saying like, Sorry that I made you feel that way is so much more powerful exactly. than I'm sorry you feel that way because it's it's not shifting it, right? Like I'm acknowledging that I made somebody feel that way 
and that I'm sorry for that part of the action. It's not about being sorry that they're feeling that. It's sorry that you caused that in someone else. Mm -hmm. Oh, completely the same. I've had to change my verbiage of, I'm sorry, I didn't know this would hurt you. I'm sorry, I didn't, I was, you know, all that I didn't, I didn't know you did because that's the person's feelings and they're owning it. I'm sorry, I did hurt your feelings. I'm sorry, I, these were my actions. These are strong, affirming verbs that we are using in order to agree with that person. And I don't, I think this is probably the hardest part I think that people have. So, so like we could probably spend a good amount of time of just researching of like, what is the psychology of just owning your shit? What is actually behind that? I mean, of course, we can sit and talk about what we, you know, we've discussed beforehand of of the shame and the anger, but just this in itself of just like that self-preservation, even amidst acknowledging of hurting somebody else is, I guess, fascinating is not a great word. It's also infuriating. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. The next thing I want to work on too, and this is kind of tying in with what we talked about at the top of the episode. It's not about you. The over the top apology. This one, I, I almost feel like I shouldn't speak on it because it is such, it's a personal thing with me. Like an apology delivered with over the top theatrics, um, like lamenting, like with that we talked about before, it makes the it makes it about you. I don't know, Damika. Like if somebody like hired a skywriter to apologize to me. <laughs> I'm writing that down in my book right now, getting prices, looking for coupon. <laughs> no, but but I hear what you're saying because it sometimes when I'm upset, I don't want things to turn into a big thing, right? And I feel like an over-a-top mm. apology is just going to turn it into a big thing. It's like digging deeper into that wound. So I, I understand the feeling behind that of not wanting an over-the-top mm. apology because it starts to feel less about you. And it's like perhaps digging into something you don't want to dig into. Exactly. Well, the thing is, I want empathy, not Yes. Theatrics. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for remorse. You know what I mean? Not not mm. a show. And and that's what I'm that's what I desire. And and maybe that's the thing, like people show empathy and remorse and guilt very differently. But I think across the board, I, I guess in my mind, I think about and maybe that's why when I think about when I have talked through people who've had abuse their abuser will always try to say, hey, I bought you mm-hmm. this or hey, I, I have a romance. Yeah. After every time after they've done something, it kind of their violence escalates and also their apologies or their gestures of goodwill will also increase to try to match the violation. Right. And I feel like the, the grander people go, the more aware of how much they screwed up without actually having to do the actual work, which is this conversation and getting down to that root. Why did you do this? I think that's also just a step away from the gaslighting that happens, too, in those abusive relationships where it's like, Mm -hmm. well, how can you say I'm that bad to you when I have done this, this and this for you? Mm -hmm. And like racially, if you do the over the top crying, I feel bad. And the person is not in a place to give you that forgiveness. It can turn into, but look what I've done. Mm -hmm. You know, I've shown you that I'm sorry. Like, I'm obviously upset. So that's where it's this this particular part is. Uh, it is a very delicate line. And once again, just because you made a grand gesture doesn't mean it was about 
the victim, right? Uh-huh. The person that you're apologizing to. Once again, it's not if it's not coming from them. Like, how do you know that that's what they need? Uh-huh. The last one, I was really inspired by the TED Talk I had referred to earlier today. It's something like I knew, but I didn't know how to put it into words. And so, like I said, uh, Robert M. Gordon really put it like, you need to offer um, restitution. But not that I wasn't aware of this, but what he brought was a fantastic point was you as the offender do not get to set this. Yes. You don't get to like, you don't get to like, when trying to make it right, you know, a lot of people say, hey, um, I've said a racial slur. I'm going to throw a lot of money into this project where there's a lot of people of color and make it all better. Like, I've got a lot of mixed feelings about that. Mm. Like, I'll always take your money. But like, you don't get to say if you've burned a bridge, you don't get to say how you're going to repair it because you are not trustworthy anymore. Mm-hmm. You have broken a bond. You have done something that is not acceptable and or hurtful. Why would I let you? state and set up the way that we're going to rebuild this. Absolutely. And I feel like the way we're talking about apology right now, it sounds like very, very big issues, but I think it's still applicable for for small things Mm. as well. You know, like small incidents that you're apologizing for, like you can look at these four things as a way of building a meaningful, useful constructive apology well because that's what we really want to do you know on like i said on a grand scale but when my my husband and i were just we were just newly married and we made friends with this couple that had children and it suddenly all the people that were around us had kids and we didn't have kids and which sounds like why would you know a young couple do that but let me tell you the first time i saw and he's a dear friend of ours he got down on one knee and his he had yelled something. He's really angry at his kid for something. It turned out his kid didn't do it. He got down on one knee. It's a big burly guy. And he looked his kid in the eye and he apologized for what he did. He said, I'm sorry. This is what he did. Um, he's just like, I need to be more patient. I need to learn. And I've never seen someone get down and apologize to a child. And I've just seen the bond and see what it does. Like never underestimate the power. Like their relationship was strengthened and they have, I mean, this is years ago and now they have this beautiful understanding and openness of a place. And it's a beautiful relationship. It made a big impact on me, Mm. the power within my, you know, my marriage of just seeing, you know, other couples just turned around to each other and been like, you know, I, I, I messed up or I was just really snippy. I was really in my feelings or I didn't make my expectations clear you know, I'm just seeing how relationships, friendships, marriages, um, within familial settings of how powerful a proper, meaningful, authentic apology can have. It makes all the difference, in my opinion. I just, it has made such an impact on my life and how I deal with people mm. that writing this, I'm like, well, like, wow, where have I gotten it wrong? And where have I seen it done right? So in review, how to not apologize. One, Mm. don't take your time. Got to do that shit quick. Two, Mm. don't pass or minimize blame. Three, Mm -hmm. don't make it about you. Four, don't forget to try and make it right. And then I would like to add, this is the the Danny bonus onto this list. I would say just to keep in mind as a person apologizing, just because you apologize 
doesn't mean that you're entitled to forgiveness. Like you could do all of these things. You can do the apology, right? You aren't entitled to anything. You aren't entitled to the person forgiving you. It shouldn't be Uh an expectation of an apology. Yeah, I think it's okay for it to be a goal, but realize it should be something that you are willing to work towards. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to do the work, then then don't start it. Because like an apology is just literally, this is just breaking ground. These are the, the plans in order for us to move to a place where there is forgiveness. Now, you might meet someone who is in a place where they're like, yeah, and they want to move on. But if you have that mindset of this is just so we can move past this, this part of our conflict, like you need to reevaluate. It's actually funny. There was um, in the uh, psychology today said there's been more research towards conflict resolution, meditation, and even forgiveness than the role of apologies and conflicts. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like we have been more focused on being like, this is how you need to forgive. And it's true. I've got so many books on like learning how to forgive, working in forgiveness, but not a whole lot being like, how do you apologize? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. We just expect forgiveness. I mean, we just expect it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, f- forgiving is hard too. Apologizing is hard. Mm-hmm. Forgiving is hard. It is. It really, really is. You know, as a Christian, they even tell us, like, you know, we need to forgive. We need to forgive quickly. And it is something that has to be practiced. And it's something I'm always challenged in. But something I'd love to talk about is like what forgiveness is and what it isn't, because that was really life changing as well. I'd love to talk about that some other yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk about it, particularly since mm-hmm. I am not a forgiver. I am a grudge holder. <laughs> I will hold on to these and- grudges until I die. <laughs> Girl, I, oh, yep. Let's just go. There's yeah. like this invisible shelf that we have. It's like we put all our <laughs> preserves on it, and also all the things we're going to talk about. the The shelf is is bending, Danny. Yeah, I'm very excited. I know, <laughs> and I, I recognize it's not easy, and I'm just burdening myself. So I think it's it's a great topic. <laughs> all right, note it. It's a date. <laughs> Should we? Do you have anything else to wrap up? Nope. I think that's this? great. So. I know we were getting mad at the internet already. <laughs> yeah, we just, we stay mad, girl. Yeah, I mean, there's just plenty of fuel for the fire. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the world needs to stop. Let's get mad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're getting mad at the internet. I mean, this this article, this incident is a little old now, mm-hmm. early September, we're looking at. So a high school swimmer in oh, Alaska. Yeah. Say it. Yeah. She won a swim meet, but then she was disqualified because of a uniform violation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Brecken Willis, 17-year-old yes. champion swimmer, she won the race and then was immediately disqualified because they could see her butt cheeks touching butt cheek because she had a swimmer's wedgie. Thank you. When I was reading this article, my notes look crazy. And now all of a sudden circled in the middle of it is suit wedgie. You have got to be kidding me. If you are reffing a swim meet, like you just have to be prepared to see so many cheeks. And I mean, she was like, it's a uniform violation, but she was literally wearing the bathing suit that was required of all the swimmers to wear. Yes, it was their uniform. Like, it, it wasn't like she, like, p- 
picked out some uniform with the intention of like and and I'm not a swimmer so maybe you can explain this to me but does like butt cheek touching butt cheek make you go faster no no no. it literally like that's the thing like when you're in the water and I'm I'm sure if like if it's a fast race the the sheer you going fast it will pull your swimsuit it's like when you go down a slide that swimsuit it's going it's traveling it's just what happens. It's just motion and water and your body. Does that make sense? Like, there, I think it's just like a code of conduct kind of thing. But as I said, that she was a girl who actually had a little bit more, a little bit more curves towards her. Yeah. And I think also, you know, they're saying it's going to racially driven as well. But dag yeah. on it, like seriously, like you are pulling your swimsuit out of the nether regions of your buttocks most of the time when you are swimming. Let's can we just be very real about that? Unless you got like that super fitted perfect to your body but i i've seen the olympics i've seen some cheek on there touch and cheek there i've said it yeah she's she's a mixed race girl in alaska right Mm -hmm. like i think they said she's like one of three girls on her team that kind of look like her right like it's very and none of them are swimming that day like is very intentionally based off of Like, her body is different. The way that her body is going to react to this swimsuit is different. Mm -hmm. She didn't do anything wrong, and she got disqualified. Exactly. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing. It's just bringing attention to um, a a bigger issue. Because we even saw something like this with Serena Williams when she wore her catsuit. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, the same thing. They're having a big, I'm like, because she's got body, yada, yada, it's an issue. But she's covered. Does that make sense? Like she is an athlete. It's like a combination of like over-sexualization, sizeism, and racism. It's like this beautiful trifecta of hot garbage of just being like, can you not, can you not see it in your everyday? I know I've, I've had this in my, in my own life of being told about certain cuts of my clothes. Um, but then I can see someone who's a bit thinner and lighter mm-hmm. wearing something way more revealing, but it's hipster and cool and edgy, but I do it. And it's inappropriate. Yeah. You know? Once again, it's like the the demonizing of women of color's bodies, like the sexualizing of yes. these bodies. It's like it's no one's fault that, that they're built in a different way. A skinny girl in, in like a crop top is going to look different than a more curvy woman in a, a crop top. Mm-hmm. But they're saying, what is it more acceptable because it's like it's it's a dual edged sword of just being like, well, that is too sexy because she's curvy. And also that's actually not pleasing either. And that breaks conduct. Like it's just really weird double edged sword of being we, we don't accept that. But it's also a bit too sexy because that's the only way your body can be deemed as something natural and beautiful. It's not a girl's body. You know what I mean? Because it's too curvy. And I feel like with a swimsuit, too, like a swimsuit is going to hug people's bodies very different based Mm -hmm. off of how your body is shaped which can we just give like a 17 year old props for being in a bathing suit and like and competing (laughs) where eyes are going to be on you like i was not emotionally mature to be in a bathing suit in front of a lot of people dude when i was 17 and i was like a small person i was not comfortable yeah You know, like I, I like my boobs weren't as big as they are now and like, like all sorts of things. Like my body was very different and and much more like acceptable, but I would still like wear a t-shirt. 
<laughs> yeah, I told same girl. Like you know, even going to the pool now. Like I don't know if it's just because I'm over overseas. People are way more comfortable with their bodies over here in any way, shape, or form. And I've been really inspired as a grown ass woman of being like, it's bodies. Just chill out. Just be happy. But even someone who swims quite regularly, you do have that moment of like, uh, of there's hesitation. And here's this girl out here killing it and she has to be reminded that she is vulnerable and she's exposed and she's being judged for it you know Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, it's icky but also i mean like we just said there's no advantage so one like why would she even do that mm-hmm. like ex- intentionally expose her butt like there's no advantage and two like what are you I don't I don't even understand this rule, I guess is my problem. <laughs> like I don't I don't understand. Like, okay, fine. Okay, fine. Her her cheeks are out. You know, they're clapping. Give her a warning. <laughs> or at least if you feel like it wasn't that much of a violation of whatever rule you had, or you know what I mean? Give her a yeah. warning. But to disqualify her from a win? Mm-mm. That's transparent garbage. Yeah. Well, I haven't heard any updates on this. I don't know if there are any updates, unfortunately. Yeah, maybe someone could let us know because this is a little bit of an older story. It's actually funny. When you said it to me, I had actually read it just the day before. And I was like, yep, mm, nope, this has made me mad twice this week. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right. That's enough getting mad. I'm sorry that we have gotten so mad. (laughs) <laughs> We've gotten mad most. The day. It's been mad like a good 80% of the time today. Yes. So let's let's talk about our happy places now instead. What's your happy place this week? Girl, I am so happy that I had, once again, greediness. I had two beautiful, happy places. It's starting to get darker over here in England, obviously. I mean, it's fall. But I'm starting to feel less bad about watching television at night. (laughs) (laughs) My guilt is, I'm like, it's daylight. I need to be doing things. But now I'm like, I can have a cheeky watch or whatever and do whatever. Anyway. We were just looking for just like something to watch that wasn't like too intense because I just can't what my brain space right now watch anything too intense, watch too many murder things. Anyway, and there's a show that I have watched since I was really young and they did a reboot of it that I actually don't hate. I think I've talked about it before and I was trying to rack my brain, but I don't care. I will say it twice. I was watching Mystery Science Theater 3000. Mm hmm. And it is just like one of my favorite shows. It is if you're not familiar with it, you should be. It was kind of like a culty kind of classic, but I feel like more people know about it. It's this kind of sci-fi show where they basically watch horrific, terrible movies ranging from like the 40s to now they've kind of bumped up to like early 90s. Really awful. And they basically just make fun of it. And there's a guy with some puppetry. It's got everything that a nerd girl could ever really want. And it makes me so incredibly happy because there's nothing I like better than sitting back and judging other people's hard work. <laughs> and, and then um, that's all we all want to do, yeah, right? Yeah, all the that's time. kind of the basis of our society. I mean, let's let's be super real. And then the other one is garlic bread. 
I have made it twice oh, this week. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I want garlic bread. I have made garlic bread twice. My my daughter is not feeling well. She wanted tomato soup and garlic bread. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to be mad about that. And it makes me so happy. So I very love happy. garlic bread. It's mm-hmm. so good. It's fall. Have bread, everybody. We've, we, you worked hard all You've summer. You've earned this. Or eat the garlic bread. <laughs> yes. What is what has been your happy place this week? Oh, um, girl. yeah. Sorry, that was a yawn. My happy place. So it's it's kind of a cheat because it's a podcast, and by the time this episode comes out, the first episode will be out, and I will have listened to it. But as of right now, I've only listened to the trailer. Okay. So it is a podcast called office ladies and yes which is a a brilliantly hilarious name i don't know if it's for everyone or just for me in japan like secretaries and administrative assistants are called office ladies so that's what it makes me think of or they're called ols so that's what it makes me think of which is kind of funny but the podcast itself is a podcast about the television show The Office, which is <gasps> which is my go-to, one of my go-tos sitting around the house watching TV shows. I watch it all the time. But it is hosted by Angela Kinsey, who plays mm-hmm. Angela on The Office, and Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam, who are real-life best friends. <laughs> and, which makes it even better! Right? So they're real-life best friends, and it is a podcast about them re-watching The Office and talking about The Office and behind-the-scenes stuff, episode by episode. So I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm so into it. Danny, this sounds amazing. Yeah. So I can't wait to listen. Oh, that should be everyone's happy place by mm-hmm. the, by the time this comes out. Yeah, I hope so. I hope that if you have not listened to Office Ladies, that you listen to it now. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. You're welcome. They're also just, like, so adorable. Like, I love to hear them interact with each other. They're so adorable. Uh, you can't buy good chemistry. It's true. It's true. All right, Tamika. Speaking of good chemistry. Mm, yes. If you're, if you're into this show. <laughs> if you're into our show, you should definitely follow us on social media. You can find us at Biracial Unicorns on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on Twitter at biracial magic please let us know what you think interact with us there all the things you can also send us an email uh, if you have an idea for a topic or if you have a question you'd like us to answer or if you want to just tell us what's up you can send us an email at biracialunicorns at gmail.com Yes, we love hearing from you all. Even if it's just what you're doing for self-care and things of mental health and race, we want to hear all about it. Um, We want to thank our amazing artist from Deli Pop Art for the beautiful, iconic photo of us as brilliant unicorns. Um, We also want to thank Joseph Scott of Citizens of Tape City. Um, He did our intro and outro music. Please go follow them obsessively and like all of their stuff on social media as well. Yeah, I felt good about this one. I enjoyed our time together, Danny. Yeah, me too. And if you have any ideas about what makes a good or bad apology, mm-hmm. definitely let us know. If you think we're 
on the mark or far off the mark, let us know. We'd be happy to share your ideas with all the other unicorns out there as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we will be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with a full episode. So in the meantime, make sure you follow us. You can find us on all of the major podcast apps. And if you like the show, take a moment to write us a review. We appreciate that as well. And even more important, I would say, if you like the show, please share the show with your friends. I feel like that's our main way of getting Mm -hmm. out into the world is word of mouth. And we love all of you. We love hearing from you. And we Mm -hmm. want our audience to be bigger so that we can connect more unicorns with each other. Community unite. Huzzah. So we will be back (laughs) next week. Peace. Out.